the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Those are the Wall Street Business Network. This station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob. talking all things financial money invested in more. Yahoo's Marissa Mayer scored a 69% raise to $42 million, making her the best paid female executive in the S&P 500. She's a 39-year-old former Googler was paid $1 million in basic salary, but that's just the start. Stock and option awards heaped on additional $11.7 million and $28.2 million, respectively. Add in the $1.1 million in incentive pay plan and $28,000 in additional perks, you get $42 million. Whoa! Not too shabby, huh? The Apple Watch, the faulty Taptic engine, has slowed the rollout. Taco Bell's giving away a free biscuit taco for four hours on Cinco de Mayo. Taco Bell just used live streaming service Periscope to announce to thousands of hungry viewers that they will be celebrating Cinco de Mayo by giving away free biscuit tacos for four hours. The fact that they used Periscope and live streaming again. Aha, I get it. Yelp joins Twitter as once darling internet social media stocks are getting smashed if their name isn't Facebook. Gold and silver are getting smoked, eaten live. Falling aggressively, U.S. jobless claims that are a 15-year low as consumer spending is rising. That's positive. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, host of Focus on Wealth, heard daily from noon to one on this very station. Mr. Burton, you are a CFP. One of the things you do are financial plans, and when you retire, you should have a financial plan worked up. Um, one of the things I think that pe- confuses people is how much stocks versus bonds should I have? Because there's old rules of thumb, and there's new rules of thumb, but there's also dynamic situations where you know people can throw that scenario still out the window. Yeah. You know the 60/40 stock to bond and pull out three to four percent per year. Mm, if you've got too much money or too little money, like that may not be right for you. No, and like I've said before, what you do is you have you know three years worth of portfolio draws in cash, and you have your allocation that. You, you take your dividends and interest from that, and then you pull off growth to replenish what you've spent, and that over time will equal typically a 4 to 5% draw rate. Same time, if you're super wealthy, you could have three to five years' worth of expenses in cash, and everything in stocks, if you can handle the volatility, as long as you don't sell when there's a big decline. So it's, it's different for everybody. Um, the typical 
allocation that I see for most retired people that you know take a risk tolerance in depth questionnaire and then they have enough assets to actually retire. Three years worth of expenses in cash and the rest in typically a 55-45 stock bond split okay. or 65-35. Um, if you're doing much less than 50% or so in stocks, you better hope you have a lot of money because your fixed income isn't going to be earning a lot in the next five years. Now, with you know, we go through interest rate periods that are low, interest rate periods that are higher, more normalized. Does the strategy change? Well, I mean, here's the deal. We we think about the stock market and everything is returning to the mean, right? And in, I don't know. In, in theory, the way the stock market has, I mean, it's averaged 11% for the last 100 plus years. Um, but the longer you deal with a low period of interest rate environment, you know, the mean actually ends up coming down after after a while. So, you know, an average fixed income portfolio would have earned 5 to 6% if you would have run those numbers prior to the year 2006. Do you ever get worried that, you know, you said we always return to the norm, but you hear economists, you hear market strategists say, you know, we're going to be in prolonged low interest rates for a long, it's going to be the new norm. Like we're going to have to continue to do quantitative easing three as every time we four, five, six, whatever it is, right. um, that we're going to always going to have to come back to these policies because when you start raising rates, people won't be normalized. They won't find them normal. They'll find them super high. Yeah. I mean, that's the issue is that the, are these economies going to get addicted to quantitative easing? If you look at the stock market chart, every time some sort of level of quantitative easing was announced, yeah, big, uh, big, big jump in the stock market. Every time that quantitative easing period ended, there was a decline. There was a correction of usually around seven to 8%, then another announcement of a continuation and then another uptick in the market. So, hey, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a real issue that we have to be concerned about. And the good thing about low interest rates is that it helps the stock market. That's fair if you're in the stock market. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, if you have an under allocation to stocks, you're hurting. Right. I'm with you. Um, as far as having enough stocks versus bonds, um, do you tend to skew for your clients more towards value or is it it depends on scenario? Yeah, I mean, like I've said before, I like dividend growth model of companies that have a history of raising their dividend year over year. Um, But we also look at things like growth and revenue. So I'm not looking for high-yield stocks. If a stock has 1% yield, but a history of raising their dividend, um, and it looks like, you know, strong free cash flow and everything else, it's going to, it can make the portfolio. So it's not about yield. I think investing for yield for the high dividend will make your stock portfolio way too sensitive to interest rate movements. I like growth and income. I like the combination of the two. Are you just using a Bloomberg terminal to screen for histories of dividend increases? And yeah, yeah, we can we can create a screening list that looks at uh, you know companies with yields over one percent. Over so we don't like to trade small cap stocks. We let the funds uh-huh. do that if we're going to get small cap exposure. Um, so we have you know quite a few factors that go into the screen. It narrows the stock universe down to about two hundred fifty companies that make that screen, and then we try to diversify among the different sectors. Okay. Anything else we need to know about this topic, or is that about it? No, I, do, I think that people just need to be aware of, of the volatility that's going to be in their portfolio if they're taking more risk and they're using stocks for the yield. And rather than panic and feel like you have to sell when there's a 10 15 20% correction, you need to take a breath and relax and say, is this company still increasing their dividends? If they are, don't sell. Um, unless there's something fundamentally that's going to affect their free cash flow, kick back and say, okay, I'm going to get paid to wait. 
Last thought, would you prefer that people be in ETFs that have dividends, or would you prefer individual stocks that have dividends? Most people should just be in ETFs. I mean, you're, you're seriously, you're paying, you know, six-tenths of 1% in many cases to have a very diversified approach to to these stocks. And when I got into the business, most mutual funds were charging over 1%. Yeah. And so it's almost free to invest these days. CFP Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Jobless claims at a 15-year low. That's positive. Friday, next Friday, we get the first um, employment report for the month of May looks back obviously at April but when you have fewer people unemployed you naturally create jobs on some level as people come to the country and we need more health care and more doctors and more people doing more things um, so we should see some pretty good employment numbers now again there is a question are we at full employment and that's a serious question and that's something that people aren't thinking a lot about at this point in time. How many more jobs do we need to add or can we add? The U.S. economy just delivered two convincing signs that the labor market's getting pretty tight. Jobless claims tanked, as well as the worker pay has accelerated. Wages are on the rise. The employment cost index, also known as the ECI, climbed seven-tenths of a percent in the first quarter. A bit stronger than expected. Um, private wages jumped 2.8. 8% in the past year. That's the biggest jump since third quarter 2008. These growth rates are still quite modest by historical standards, but the upward trend is now very obvious. The market was expecting a firm print in quarter to quarter terms. The rate of acceleration in year to year terms is likely to be taken as a sign that the economy is beyond full employment. Now, the unemployment rate is still somewhere above 0% during full employment, as even in a healthy economy, there should still be people in between jobs looking for work. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. You want to talk soccer, we can talk soccer. Okay, we're not going to be talking soccer. Maybe we'll talk a little real estate or something along those lines. Microsoft is vowing to have $20 billion in cloud revenue in 2018. The company will need to triple cloud revenue over the next three years to meet this goal. Someone is looking to buy Salesforce.com. The company is worth $47 billion, meaning the deal, if it goes through, would be the largest software acquisition deal in history. The potential buyers, Oracle, Microsoft, Google, IBM, or SAP. Um... There was a significant hardware problem with the Apple Watch, and that's why there were delays with the orders. The Taptic engine was found to be defective prior to launch. They're not doing a recall. They don't think any of the product went out, but it was not a smooth launch. And a bad sign for social media stocks 2.0, which, you know, Facebook is the king of social media stocks. Um, there's an app called Secret that's closing down. It raised $35 million. It had great fanfare. It was once worth probably $100 million. 
Now it's worth nothing. Uh, Twitter had bad numbers as well as Yelp. That's not good. Let's talk a little real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining me now, mortgage lender from BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's the guy who does my mortgages, Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez, let's talk a little rental properties. Hey, Rob. Hello? Rental properties. What's the word mean to you or the words mean to you? Investment property. And I think that's something that you, it, that should be the first thing that you think about. Investment. You're getting a rate of return on what you're putting into the property. So okay. you, you come up with a down payment. You put it in the buy the property. You get some good tax benefits, some interest, mortgage interest deductions, and then you have what's left over, and in, that's your cash flow. In your world of lending, who comes to you that's looking for investment property or rental property? There's a lot of different people. Uh, right. We have you know the, the husband and wife that are looking for a second home. Um, and they say, you know what, we're going to buy this as an investment property for a while and then maybe retire in it or something like that. And then we have some people who just want to have extra money and they want to buy some rental property because it's something maybe their parents have done. Um, a lot of people that are in rental properties now are people who have experienced that through either family members or friends uh, and they get exposure that way. I live in part of the Bay Area that I would not buy homes as rental properties, but I would buy apartments as rental properties. Right. Um, I have a differentiation in my head. I don't think my home, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to appreciate in the next 10 years unless I see some really big wage inflation across the upper middle class and the lower upper class. And right now, that's just not working out that way. Mm-hmm. Multifamily was a one of the reasons we saw new home sales go up. It was really, not new home sales, I'm sorry, construction. And it was leading the way. We had 60% of new home construction was multifamily units because of the pure fact that rents were rising and there was a demand for this type of product. That's why over the last few years, we saw a lot of, almost 30 to 35% of properties bought in the Bay Area were cash. Okay. Cash properties. And it's still like that right now because people are buying not only distressed properties, but they're buying rental units because rents are so strong here. Something that I find sick and vile are real estate clubs because they're kind of luring in the average person saying, you too can buy real estate just like Donald Trump. And it's maybe not that much of a sales pitch or maybe not that glossy, but I find them kind of vile. And I saw in 2004, 2005, 2006, a lot of people join these things trying to get wealthy and not having enough money to understand that it's an investment, and you're investing yep. in the income that comes out of it, you're not investing in the potential appreciation of the property. And a lot of those ended up as private REITs as well, uh, where they're the people who are making more of the money with the people who are actually getting the transaction. Right. Um, so what you're saying piece. there, that sometimes you'll hear about people that advertise clubs and scenarios, and they'll say, I'll buy property for you, and they'll do... And help you get the loan and, and so on. And, and management fees, et cetera. So it's, there are going to be a lot more of these types of advertisements and incitements to get into this into the real estate business as equities increase. Here in the Bay Area, prices are going back up. So that's skewing really towards, um, I, don't wanna say, I don't even know how to say this, but a lot of individuals want to own individual properties. And then some individuals want to help fund bigger projects and become a master limited partner. And I hate that. I would rather you own traded REITs where you own it. Tony Mendez owns that property. He may own one one millionth of it, but he's not writing a check to a developer. He's not and writing know, a check. And I know why you say that, because you hear a lot more horror stories yeah. than I do. You work yeah. with people on an individual basis, and you also have uh, – you hear these horror stories. I, on the other hand, would say, you know what, I would deal with actually sick people who are successful at 
buying rental properties, buying multi-unit properties, and managing them well, and getting positive cash flows. If so, they're getting positive cash flows, and right. if, if they're not expecting appreciation, but it's, I agree. it's because I I work with, and it's going to sound corny, but I work with people that have CFPs or CPAs, <laughs> yeah. and that they, they actually have some people that are guiding them in the right way instead of going to these kind of groups and, and feeling like they're that it, they're just following a trend. I think if you think someone's like a real estate guru or someone has like – there was a guy. He owns a company in the Bay Area that he was selling property in the desert in a city that has no waterworks, that has no pipes, selling property that has no water tied towards it, Aqueduct City, um, that has no aqueduct. Mm-hmm. And people buy it thinking it's the next big thing. If you're buying it the next big thing, you're probably taking a lot of risk. Now, San Luis Obispo, maybe they're the next big thing in the wine country. Maybe all that property down there will work out. But they have to have water. So I'm, <laughs> you have to calculate some of your risks in these scenarios, right? Yes, certainly do. So real quick, what does the person, what would you want to see who's looking for rental investments? Um, somebody who can, it's extra money for them. Okay. To spend. Um, I had somebody call me the other day, said, I have about $50,000 I want to put in investment property. And we got through the whole you know, qualifying process, and, and they didn't have any other money. They had some 401k, but they didn't have the ability to continue funding that if they used their, this money up and factoring the, the risk involved. You don't always get rents on a monthly basis. So That's mortgage lender Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Maker Studios exec said that TV is going to be dead in 10 years. His name's Renee Reckman. He said, I doubt anyone under 50 will be watching linear TV. If you think about it, and again, I'm the age where, you know, he basically said, if you're a marketer, you're at the age now where you have children. And marketers are starting to see just, you know, disruption. You're going to see companies like Facebook just, you know, they get bullet shots into advertising and marketing because they know your age, your income, your assets, your liabilities, your, they know where you live, what city you live in, how much you make, they know your college education, and advertisers want that. Redmond said, listen to this, I thought this was very insightful from his interview in the UK. He says, I think people will be watching TV-like content in three different ways, advertising-funded video on demand on platforms such as YouTube subscription video on demand on services such like Netflix and through micropayments if a viewer wants to pay to watch a particular series. He said that he tried to get his kids to sit down and watch David Attenborough's wildlife series and the kids just couldn't take it. 50 minutes of sitting there, they just couldn't take it. So instead they went to YouTube and found the 20 second clips instead of volcanoes erupting or lions eating their prey. You have to be willing to understand big investments are going to fail and you're gonna to want to find areas where you can invest. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
interesting times, for sure. Yelp and Twitter having very bad weeks. Again, I call them kind of business 2.0 or internet 2.0 stocks that just aren't Facebook. And that's showing to be a problem. How big we'll find out in the coming weeks and months to see if they're able to reverse their slide. Joining me now, Chris Siaccia, tech editor, thestreet.com. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great today, Rob. How you doing? You're doing, you're doing better than Yelp, right? A little bit better than Yelp this morning. So let's get to it. Apple. Um, they started off the week pretty strong. The stock at aftermarket looked like it was going to go a couple percentage points higher. They announced a buyback. They announced great sales of the phone. What's not to like about their earnings report, Chris? The only thing that I can see that you know the sources that I've talked to and what people on the street are thinking is that the iPad is it's still a struggling business. The replacement cycle is a lot longer than anybody originally anticipated. You know, there's really no reason to to go out and replace your iPad if you've bought one in the past three or four years. And Apple is kind of almost hurting itself here a little bit because they're constantly updating and refreshing it. So, I mean, you're not going to go out and buy a PC every year, but you but you do with the phone. So, you know, it remains to see, you know, whether the uh, the iPad business, you know, becomes as big as Apple thinks it is. And they actually, but they, you know, kind of had a little caveat today or a little announcement um, with IBM and Japan Post today that I just got back from. They're going to bring uh, iPad and uh, iPhone and uh, IBM services to four to five million people in Japan who are elderly to try to expand the market for those services and devices to make the lives of the elderly a little bit better. How do you feel about the the launch of the watch? I think the, the launch of the watch has been a success, but I don't think it's been a rousing success in the way that Apple is used to. Um, obviously, you know, with a new product, there are always going to be um, supply chain issues and some bumps and bruises, and you, you've seen that with the Wall Street Journal report yesterday that some shipments uh, or that some, you know, the reason supply is a little constrained right now is because of one of the because of something in the supply chain. Um, but you know, I was at the event today. I saw a whole bunch of people wearing Apple watches. I've talked to people wearing up or wearing Apple Watches, they seem to really like it. So I don't think it's going to be a gangbusters product in the way that we think of the iPhone and iPad launch are. But I think over time, you know, they're, you know, they're really bullish on this thing. And I think there's a chance by, you know, by the end of fiscal 2015, you know, they sell somewhere, you know, around 20 million watches or so. That's expectation, and they could probably meet that if they could manufacture it. Um, I'm hearing they are having some problems with their Taptic engine and some uh, defects in the uh, manufacturing process, which is slowing them down, which, again, that's, that would be bad for Apple. Uh, headline bad, because bottom line bad, it's not going to be that much to them, even if the watch is a big success. It's kind of an interesting uh, PR problem, but not an earnings problem per se. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is something that, you know, every company has to deal with when they launch a new product. And they have a sole supplier for the Taptic engine, and I suspect that given how humongous Apple's supply chain is, is that they will eventually find somebody else. 
that can produce, produce the Taptic engine for them at the same quality and so that this won't be an issue, you know, three, six months down the line. I think it's just a, a little blip in the road right now, and it, there's not too much that I would read into it. Okay. What else are you working on right now, Chris? Well, this is something that you and I have talked about a lot, and I think that, you know, the next really big thing for Apple is their developer conference, and I think they're actually going to have, you know, a major announcement at the conference. They're going to unveil their own version of, you know, like a slimmed-down TV bundle, um, you know, whether it's 25, 30 channels for, you know, $30, $40 a month or something like that. You know, they kind of alluded to that on the earnings call. Tim Cook heaped a ton of praise on HBO Now. He also said that, you know, Apple can be at the forefront of this new age in media. And then on the Time Warner earnings call yesterday, Time Warner CEO Jeff Bukes came out and said he's pretty confident that Apple is going to come out with their own slimmed-down bundle. So this is something that I expect to be announced, you know, within the next couple of months. I heard uh, analyst. <clears throat> Come out, not an analyst, but a, a Maker Studios executive today announced that TV will be dead in 10 years. And his quote was, I doubt that anyone under 50 will be watching linear TV. Um, what Netflix has done is really opened the door. And that's really, um, YouTube has done it as well. Uh, any person between the age of 5 and 15 that is tied to my family, I, I see them just watching YouTube all day long, incessantly. And they know people that I, I'm like, who's that? PewDiePie? Am I saying that right? So that makes me feel old and out of touch, but what do you think about the argument that TV will be dead in 10 years? I think TV being dead in 10 years is a little bit um, unrealistic. I don't think TV is going to go down without a fight here. But I do think that, you know, over the next 5 or 10 years, you're going to see the number of people who subscribe to pay TV continue to dwindle. I just interviewed Sling TV's CEO, and we talked about, you know, what the landscape looks like in the next three or five years. And he said, you know, you know, if there's 100 million people in this country who, have, who subscribe to pay TV, you know, maybe a few years from now, maybe that becomes 80 million. And these, you know, kind of new slimmed-down bundles that you get over the Internet, maybe that rises to 30 million. Um, so we're going to continue to see that push towards these kinds of bundles, but I don't think pay TV is going to be dead in the next 10 years. It's just going to be severely hurting, and it's going to continue to dwindle, but it's not going to be dead entirely. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be the head of ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, though, because you are seeing Netflix come up with pretty darn good series. You're seeing Amazon come out with, okay, they've had some hits, but mostly misses. Uh, YouTube, user-generated content, and, you know, Something that's kind of cute with the world of radio is getting attacked by podcasts. Um, you know, was it Andy Warhol who said everyone will have their 15 minutes of fame or something along those lines? And with podcasts and YouTube, you can have your 15 minutes of fame. It's interesting to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've seen people who, you know, five or 10 years ago never would have become a celebrity and now. You know, 15-, 16-year-old boys and girls are making millions of dollars in advertising revenue because they are either hawking products or talking about their days on YouTube, and it's rapidly changing their lives. And, you know, they become these Internet celebrities. They have millions of followers on Twitter or Instagram or whatever platform they're using, and they become, you know, essentially celebrities overnight because of, you know, things like Twitter, YouTube, 
um, in the way that you know content is being consumed right now. Anything else that you want to add to our conversation today? Tech that's popping up, maybe the Elon Musk battery announcement. You have a speculation on that? Yeah, this is the big announcement for today. This Tesla battery announcement. Um, you know, Musk has hinted at it before. He hinted at it in February. When I spoke to Tesla, they confirmed that they would be having an energy storage announcement. I think this is going to be really interesting, um, not just because we all kind of know what it is. They're going to have a battery for consumers as well as businesses, but how does it actually work, and does it actually make our lives better, and does it actually make the environment better? Because you're still getting energy from the grid, and the grid is still pulling energy you know, from unclean sources, whether it's coal or oil. Some of it does come from renewable sources like solar and wind, but that's still a small portion of it. So we're gonna, it'll be interesting to see, and the devil will be in the details, on how this battery actually works and how it actually makes the environment better. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia with thestreet.com. Any last-second tip-ins you want to throw out there? Anything you're working on as tech editor? I think, you know, just the next thing that people really need to be concerned about is what's going on with Twitter? What, does Google come out and buy Twitter? I think that, you know, is something we could see potentially happen by the end of the year. Yeah, it's not looking good for the days of Twitter, is it? No, CEO constantly is coming out saying... Yeah, when your CEO is saying, I'm not worried about my job, he probably should be worried about his job. Yeah, he's on the hot seat a little bit, and investors are starting to get a little antsy. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siachi. Yes, I was talking over him. 800-516-1220. calls on the air. Um, interesting times, to say the least. You know, Twitter's struggling. Yelp's struggling as well. And someone like Google, who serves advertisements, they could you know, fit a Twitter right into their business model. Keep in mind that they could have fit their Twitter right in their business model long before they came public, and people argued about valuations. Uh, Twitter at $25 billion isn't cheap by any stretch of the imagination, especially now that they're going to have some problems attracting talent uh, because they're not known as a tech company that's making their employees lots of money. And that's one of the things you want to have the ability to do is draw employees. So other stories of note out there today, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, it's been hit pretty hard recently because of the rise in chicken prices. Is it a buy? I think if you're patient, it's considered something that you want to consider. You don't want to buy stocks when they're at all-time highs. You want to buy stocks when you have some opportunity to take some of the risk out. If you're buying a stock at an all-time high, then there's nothing but risk. There's nothing downside. Um, or there's momentum on the upside, but everyone's made money but you when you're buying at an all-time high. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I think we're heading for a stock market correction, but I most people have been saying that for five, six years. Typically, the market corrects once a year, 10%. We are not really getting that, and it seems like every dip has been a buying opportunity. 
I'm almost fully invested, and believe it or not, that's considered to be bad news for the market because a lot of people are almost fully invested. And I think what that should imply is that we don't have cash on the sidelines waiting for the dip. With that said, I think a lot of investing is about your time frame. I think it's important that you give yourself time. Um, why is that? Because the market goes up 7 out of 10 years. It's, I personally have given up on gold and silver. I always have given up on gold and silver. I'm not a big gold and silver fan. They're precious metals, but the metals that I prefer to follow is copper, more of an industrial metal. Gold has some industrial uses, as does silver, but it's not that, you know, ding, 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 ding ahead on me. You watch what's happening in Baltimore, and it seems like this is, what, the third or fourth city in a year to have significant riots tied towards police use of force. Some people will say it's, you know, the black and white in the community clashing. Some will say it's power versus people without power. Some will say it's poor representation on the police force. Some will say it's just flat-out inequality. One of the stocks that's a winner because of all this is Taser. Don't tase me, bro. Um, Taser shares are surging. They make products for law enforcement, including the namesake electronic device. They just reported earnings of 13 cents. They're expected to earn 7 cents. Um, they've got a Taser that has a camera on it. There's increased demand of Taser's products during the protests in Ferguson, Missouri, last August, when shares spiked by more than 10% on a single day. Earlier this month, shares rose after the City of London Police Department announced it had ordered 178 Axon body-worn video cameras in the first quarter. The rise in shares also comes after the fatal shooting of Walter Scott by a police officer in North Charleston, South Carolina, which was filmed by a bystander. The city mayor said body cameras were ordered for every officer on the street. Um, how would I look at this? You have to continue to look at it. You can't just go, well, I heard Rob say it's good. People hear things incorrectly. I think it certainly is playing into headline news. That's a good and a bad. Um, it's trading at 55 times next year's earnings. It's got a market cap of about $1.6 billion, so they're going to have to sell a lot of these. But they're beating on expectations. And cities will want to get wearable cameras. Is it Taser that's going to be providing the wearable cameras? Um, they don't want police officers to use deadly force unless they have to. Um, and getting it all on camera could save the city a lot of money in lawsuits. Um, I don't know. You know, that's as far as my analysis goes. Then I go, do I want something that's trading with such a high valuation in my portfolio? It's a story stock. If Russia invades Germany, that'll become the story. And people will be coming up with, like, what do we need to do? Do we need to buy killer robots? What's the, what's the angle here? Um, so long story short, Taser seems to be a play on what's happening around America right now, and probably around the world on a lot of levels. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Millennials in the United States, they're a big discussion because basically they're our workforce for the next 50 years. They're a large part of our, they're going to dominate our, our labor force. 
The sad truth is, according to research, they're less prepared for today's job market than many of their international peers. A study shows that even performing millennials are not measured up to counterparts overseas. The gap between America's highest and lowest performing workers is amongst the largest. The study suggests that such a disparity can lead to dire consequences, including mistrust in government, decreased civic engagement, increased rates of incarceration, poor health, obesity, addiction, and more. Um, problem for U.S. employers, more than two-thirds of whom look for communication, problem-solving, quantitative skills in their new hires. Because amongst the 22 participating countries in the survey, U.S. millennials, uh, only Spanish millennials had lower scores in numeracy. Half scored below the minimum proficiency level ahead of Spain for, and Italy for problem-solving in technology-rich environments, 56% of American millennials met the minimum standards behind every other nation. So when I was growing up, we knew that the international workforce was going to be a story. Now, if you take a look at China and India, they've done a great job of creating universities. Sometimes they'll send their kids to our universities and bring them back to their countries to work. Um, you can't ignore that America had an advantage for many, many years, but they don't have that anymore. So just throwing it out there for you. There's you know, pros and cons with everything. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Tesla's going to have their big battery announcement this evening. I believe it's an evening presentation. I might be wrong on that, but I don't think I am. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Taking a look at what's moving or what's working is Apple's under pressure after a Wall Street Journal article reported that some watch counterponents uh, could be defective. The, let's see how much they're getting affected by this headline. There's also a headline that Ireland may take, may become a problem for tech companies in the United States who have been kind of using Ireland as a, a tax shelter. So Apple down about 2% on the news. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.